Blog Talk Radio. Feeling lonely, but um, 
we win when we really recover. We win when we take the steps to recover. And you know what? Recovery is a lifelong journey. You know, a lot of times we're very hard on ourselves because we feel like, hey, we're not recovering fast enough. But who are we to say that we're not recovering fast enough? Recovery is a lifelong journey. Um, I don't want to call you out, but Philip, thank you for joining me today. Um, how are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for joining us this evening. Always a pleasure to have you. Well, good to be here. <laughs> um. I know that you are a survivor of different forms of abuse. Everybody has their own story. I'm not going to share your story, but I will say that you're a survivor of a lot. Um, and, you know, what's your thought about the importance of self-healing and working on your own recovery? Um, the importance of it? Well, I yeah. say that, well, um, it takes time for you to come to a place where you can heal. For I don't know why it is a different time for everybody, but for me it was a matter of, um, like, people helping me without me wanting help. I got locked down on a couple of 50s and then I was at the place where I was, it took, it took that for me to reach out for help. So, um, that's, what I have to say about that. Yeah. Well, that that was really good, and that's important. Um, at the end of the day, we're all in control of our own recovery and our healing journey. Um, and it's sometimes because you're like, I didn't ask for this. You know, I, I didn't ask for this pain. I didn't ask for this abuse. And now I'm responsible for healing this. I don't know if anybody can relate, if anybody has felt that way. And if anybody has, please uh, share. Ooh, let me let me mute that. I'm thinking our, our, um, our doggy Annie's baby doggy in the back barking. So muted it for a minute. But um, if it stops, Miss um, Annie, my beautiful co-host, whenever you get a chance, you can come back in. Um, but... I don't know if anyone's had some issues or some concerns or some hurdles that they've had to overcome in their recovery journey and felt like, hey, I'm doing all the steps, you know, to recover, but why do I have to carry this burden? I didn't start this fire. Why do I have to recover from the pain that? Somebody else cost me. I don't know if anybody can relate to that. So I'm going to stop talking just in case um, someone has a couple of five cents to add to that. Um, I don't have any. But can you repeat it, please? I wasn't paying attention. Hmm? What was the saying again? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, it's okay. Well, right before that, the question was, if you have five cents to add to what I just said, which was, I don't know if you've been through like, hey, I'm going through life, I'm going through trauma, and I'm trying to recover, 
but why is it so heavy on me to recover? And, you know, recovery's on you. It's your job to recover. But you're not the one that caused yourself the harm. Someone else caused you the harm. And now you're trying to figure out, well, what the heck? Now I got to try to recover. It's on me because now I'm an adult and I have to recover. I know that's a lot. I know that was a tongue twister. But, uh, Joe, you were getting ready to say something. So, Joe, maybe you can um, start shining the light. So my name is Joe Potosi. I'm an adult survivor of child abuse. Mm-hmm. Thank uh, you I wrote for the book, One to Dust. Thank you. I was sharing with your screener. I've been, I was a part of NASCA in the past. Um, I was an ambassador for Wisconsin, so I have a history with NASCA. There was a lot of things going on in my personal life that I had to address, you know, so I kind of stepped back for a while, but hopefully I'm back for good now. But mm-hmm. I would like to share the fact that um, for 15 years, being subjected to physical and emotional abuse at the hands of my mom and stepdad, you know, <clears throat> and being abandoned by my birth father under the age of five, um, I found a place in my life just before I went to the military where I found true forgiveness for my father, and I, I was at peace with that. And because I loved my mother, I guess by default, I thought I forgave her. But I soon discovered when I went into real life, I didn't have any real coping skills, and I began to self-medicate by medicating by using alcohol to take away the pain. And so my healing journey didn't start till later, much later, on 10-plus years or so. And once I became a father, I was still carrying some of this baggage. Now, mind you, when I got out of the military, I was still trying to buy my mother's acceptance. I was still trying to get her to like me and roll out the red carpet. And But I was never good enough for her or for my stepdad, not that I cared about him. But um, I, I came I came to a point in my life where, for me, I have a, I'm a born-again believer, and being a new father at that point, God said to me in my heart, in my mind, listen, mm-hmm. I have forgiven you. Who are you not to forgive? And so... <clears throat> One particular day, uh, and I'll forgive this as long as I live, I was laying in bed, and I made a conscious choice to forgive my mother and my stepfather, forgive them both, fully and completely. And it was a million pounds lifted off my chest. And they were no longer written space in my mind. And from that point on, I full speed ahead into my recovery journey which which included I would meet with my pastor every week. We would discuss things. I put myself into an outpatient treatment center. That was before, but I had abstained from drinking alcohol a few years before that. But I, I, I seeked out counseling, and um, they get some tools that I needed to <clears throat> come to some pl- a place in my life where now, as a father, I can break this cycle of abuse and neglect and so on and so forth. 
and I can heal and I can be all that God has called me to be. And now Carol's, I know Carol's heard me, heard me say this before, and this is the motto, motto I try to live by, and that is your condition does not have to be your conclusion. I'll say that again. Your condition does not have to be your conclusion. You have a choice you can make. You can wallow around feel sorry for yourself, or you can play the victim card, or you can you fall down eight times, get up nine. You can walk victoriously. You can strive to be the best man or the best woman you've been called to be, and you can be, you know, that wonderful person in our society. And so today, present day, um, my mother is still a very toxic individual. So a couple of years ago, after years of trying to love her from a distance but still try to have a relationship, I decided um, that that's not working. For my mental health and for my healing journey, I just have to totally okay. cut her out. And I know that that might sound that might sound bad to people. That might sound like um, that's you only got one mother, but unless you know my story, you know, um, you won't understand. And I've been in the ministry, Christian ministry, since, since 1997. And so it's mm-hmm. not that I don't love her, but for my mental health and for the well-being of my kids as they were coming up. She couldn't be a part of that. So that's what I did. And if I could do it all over again, I would do this You could know, do it um, all over again? I'm sorry. You said if you could do it all over again, you would do it again? Yes. So for place, you, I'm in a place. Mm-hmm. I'm at a place in my life where I'm at peace. I have peace with my maker, and I have peace with my fellow man. And I, I got tired of figuratively getting hit over the head, figuratively being reminded that I'm, I'm nothing and never going to be nothing by a certain individual. And so I just cut that out of the equation. It's no longer a part of my life. That person no longer rents space in my brain, my mind, and um, my my focus and my objective is to continue to be the best husband I can be, the best father, and the best role model. And I, let me tell you this. Um, I can lose my job tomorrow. I can lose my house next week. I can lose my wife next month. I can lose my children. One thing I will never lose is my legacy. And that legacy is a cycle has been broken, a cycle of neglect, abuse, abandonment, the, the abuse, the physical abuse, psychological, emotional abuse. Uh, it's been broken. And for me to, you know, entertain people that have that same mindset, it's counterproductive. I don't know if that's making sense to anyone out there. Hopefully I'm coming across. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Keep going. Could you hear us? I can hear you. Hello. I just thought okay. someone else would like to speak. Oh, no. I, I just wanted you to finish before I'm going to open up the mic. I just wanted you to make sure you finish what you were saying. If someone could relate oh. to you. Okay. So, in, in essence, what I'm saying is for my healing, I had to make tough decisions, right? Yeah. And it's sad. It is a sad thing, but I'm better off because of it. And um, I, I'm, I, I'm, for me, just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean I'm somebody's doormat. And okay. no more taking my kindness for weakness. There's no more of that. And my son is going to be, his birthday was December 9th. He was just here, and we were talking about some memories we sh- we had when he was just a little, little kid. And it just brought back memories of how things were for me and where I'm at today. And by the grace of God, I'm here, you know. And without being real with myself and being serious and deciding my condition would not be my conclusion, I could have been in a lot worse place. So I like to say if there's any. I know there's at least one other guy on, that's listening, or is on the panel. For me, yeah, a lot of times we'll go ahead. I said there is. Go ahead. Uh huh. For men, we don't like to reach out for help. We don't like to ask for help. But it's the best thing you can do. It's the best decision you can make. So if you're struggling in areas of your life and you know, you just kind of spinning your tires, reach out. I've never spoken with you before. Are you you the medical doctor? So I am, my doctorate, yeah, my doctorate's in Christian counseling. Then I have an honorary doctorate in Christian leadership, and I have an honorary doctorate in humanitarianism. So that's where the doctor comes in. But it's fine. I'm Dr. Nancy. I've never spoken to you either. It's just we've probably never just been on the same channel on the same day at the same time. But I love your perspective because you're right. I have three sons. I have four children. And I have three sons. And I do agree with what you're saying. A lot of times men don't feel comfortable speaking. They don't feel comfortable sharing. And it's really important to create uh, open space and a safe space for Everyone to share, men, women, black, white, Hispanics, everyone. Uh, and because of the high levels of suicide uh, and depression and anxiety that's in our, in our world, never mind our country, I think it's definitely very important that we do address some of the topics and some of the issues that you address tonight. So I do appreciate you sharing. I want to make sure that I open up the mic. I, you did share that earlier, and I want to make sure that we do keep the true to that. Um, so if there's anyone else who would like to make a comment or address uh, what we're talking about, that would be great. Uh, we're going to talk about grooming soon uh, after this. So would anybody like to make a comment, or would anyone like to raise a topic? 
before we go into the um, room. How were you able to forgive your parents? Oh, that's a good question. Good. And that was for uh, for the gentleman that was just speaking? Yes. Okay. I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't quite catch what he said. Mm-hmm. How were you able to forgive your parents? Oh, that's a really good question. Yeah. Super, super question, man. Listen, I'm going to put it to you this way. Forgiveness is a conscious decision that, for me, it didn't come lightly, but it came... Um, I guess I got tired of, I felt like they never came to me to, let me start off by saying they never came to me and said they were sorry. Not even my biological father. He never asked for forgiveness. He never said he was sorry. My mom, my stepdad. But examining myself, and for me, being a Christian, you know, it's important to love everyone, including your enemies. And I came to this idea that in order for me to grow and to reach my full potential, I through my studying and reading, I discovered by forgiving them, it set me free. Now, I didn't forgive them for them. I forgave them for me, if that makes sense. And when I made that choice to forgive them, this is no kidding, I felt like a million pounds lifted off my chest. And I'm not ashamed to admit this. I started crying because I was so emotional about it. It was a breakthrough for me. Now, here's a side note. Although I forgave my stepfather, I had no relationship with him whatsoever. In fact, um, he 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 might have seen my kids two or three times, like at a family gathering. He would show up because my my stepfather was a pedophile. Now he never violated me. But there was another family member that he did and um, for years, okay? And so I knew that history. And so, um, you know, to forgive someone doesn't mean you have to trust them again, that you're supposed to let them just run rampant and just – it doesn't mean you have to be friends or you have to forget. I think it's important once you forgive someone and if it's sincere – and it's from your heart, um, it'll stick, if that makes sense. Now, you know, since that time, there's been some hard feelings. And let me explain what I mean by that. So when I wrote my book, um, once certain people found out about the book, initially I have one sister and four brothers, um, Everyone was behind me, my four brothers and my sister. But over time, when the book got 
like last year I won an international award for the book. The year before that I won an award. As it got as it got more and more exposure, two of my brothers, for lack of a better term term, they turned on me and they started to attack me and they started to um I don't know, just very vindictive, very toxic traits were starting to come out. And instead of getting into altercations with them and instead of, you know, going down that road with them, I chose to forgive them because I discovered when I forgave my parents, my mom and stepdad and my father, forgiving people sets me free. I can let it go. I can let it go. And for me, I put it at the feet of Christ, and I just turn it over to him. And I, I, I just suggest that you just meditate on that idea and just pray about it if you're a praying man. And, um, but I, I can promise you, sir, once you find that forgiveness for the individual or individuals, more than one, it'll set you free. It mm-hmm. will set you free, I can promise you that. Thank you for the question. I really, really appreciate it. Can I just add one more thing, ma'am, since you, yes, if you don't mind, since you brought this topic, before you get into grooming, um, suicide is a, a epidemic in our country, and I've spoken a lot mm-hmm. about it. And um, I share... I share my What's story. The topic? I'm sorry. Well, sorry. Well, what did you say? That was the topic. I'm sorry. What did you say? No, you mentioned suicide. When you, yeah. After I spoke, you, okay. I was going to hit on the suicide for just a moment. Yes. Um, okay. Suicide is an epidemic in our country, as we all yeah. know. And um, when a person gets told that. They're nothing. They're worthless. They're never going to be nothing. I want to tell people that you have an unmeasurable value. You have a significance and an importance that's unmeasurable, as I mentioned. Don't believe the lie. Never give up. Never give in. And although you may feel that way because I was so beaten down, low self-esteem, low self-worth, you know, at a certain point in my life, I began to believe that as a kid. And there came a time where, you know what, I'm going to do these guys a favor, my mom and stepdad. I'm going to take my own life. I contemplated the different ways I can do it. Stepping in front of a dump truck. Stepping in front of the city bus on the way to school. Stepping in front of oncoming traffic because I had had enough. I had enough. But God. Think about it. Mm Mm-hmm. God, as only God can, and he said you need to be there for your sister and your brothers. And I was always the protector of my little brothers. I always would take beatings for them. I would always say I did it when they did it so they wouldn't get beat. I don't mean whoopings. I mean beatings, okay? There's a difference. But um, And from that day on, they could not kill my spirit. The heat got turned on. The heat got turned up, I mean, but they could not kill my spirit. And those thoughts of taking my own life went away. I no longer thought about taking my own life because 
this is the thing I hit on, and I talk about this in my book. Someone says, "What? How did you keep going? Why did you not just totally give up?" I always thought in my mind, "Tomorrow's going to be better. Yeah. Tomorrow, my yeah. dad will come back." And um, I never wanted to give up on people. I thought my mom would snap out of it. She would be the mother I once knew, and she would love on us and take care of us the way she should have. And so um, we're living in some very difficult times right now. And so whoever's listening to the sound of my voice, I just want to say nothing is so bad. Nothing is so terrible that you have to take yourself out. Because, look, you don't know me, I don't know you, but I love you. And God has a plan and a purpose for your life. I don't know what that is, obviously, but hang in there. You fall down eight times, get up nine. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Joe. That, you know, God really used you tonight. And I'm glad to hear that you have a spiritual connection with the Most High. Uh, and um, So on Sunday, it was the anniversary of my sister taking her life. She took her life three days after Thanksgiving. I was at church. I went to church. And I really wasn't feeling it. I honestly didn't even want to leave my house on Sunday. And I was like, how many times support it? And so I did for a couple of hours, probably four hours. And then I left. Um, but, you know, people don't realize the impact that suicide has on families and the impact um, that depression and uh, suicide, depression, and just it's a lot. It's a lot. But thank you for sharing that because many of us can relate. Um, I've been there. I've personally been there. A lot of us who've been through abuse, sexual abuse, physical, emotional abuse, different forms of abuse can relate. Um, But, again, I just want to thank you for bringing up the topic and for sharing your heart and uh, being transparent. I think that's uh, so needed today. Thank you. You're welcome. Because people are, they're hurting. People are hurting. The world's hurting. Uh, but people don't know sometimes how to communicate the pain. So just wanted to say thank you for sharing that. Um, all right. So I did want to kind of get into the topic of grooming. Um, and, again, you know, there's different forms of grooming. Um I want to make sure that we uh, get a chance to talk a little bit about what is grooming. You know, grooming is the predatory act of maneuvering another individual into a position that makes them more isolated, dependent, likely to trust, and more vulnerable to abusive behavior. I know that um, to our aware of Cassie or Cassie, um, and Puff Daddy's uh, ex-relationship that uh, that's a topic that we may have some insight to as we've been doing research um, and learning more 
learning more about it. Um, but, you know, back in the days, it was very common, uh, depending on where you lived. You know, a lot of the young women, a lot of us talk about, uh, and me, I dated a, a lot of older men back in the days. Dating older men, it was normal to me. It was common. I was 13, 14, and I dated a 23-year-old, and to me it was normal. And that's my firstborn child was from a 23-year-old when I was 13. Um, And so, uh, you know, that's something that I thought was normal uh, back then, but that's because I was exposed to abuse, and so I didn't realize that that's not normal. Um, and but we need to talk about it so that we can understand more about it. Um, so, you know, when we talk about child grooming, you know, it's really deliberate, a very deliberate act of uh, um, an emotional bond. You know, you're trying to like lower the child's resistance. Um, you know, you try to get that physical, emotional. Uh, sexual uh, abuse and, you know, creating that manipulation and um, all of that when it comes to the child. Um, adult grooming is a little bit different because obviously they're adult, they're an adult. Um, but abusers who groom their victims often claim to have a special connection with the abuse. You know, you feel like, oh, I'm loved. He loves me or she loves me. Um, there's a so-called connection. Um, there may be, um, you know, emotional, emotional or intellectual, or spiritual, or, um, sexual, um, all of the above, right? And so that is something that the predators may do. Um, I don't know if anyone can relate to some of that. But if you can, you can screen as you're open. Okay. Well, all right. So if you're a victim of grooming, you know, because grooming happens to adults, it happens to children, it happens to youth, teenagers, all of that, okay? So, you know, predators normally work in shadows uh, and they have to hide. Uh, predators normally claim um, to feel free or a special connection to their target, to the person that they have a connection with. Predators sometimes draw their victims and share private information uh, and swear in them to secrecy. So one of the things that, you know, you may notice is um, predators, they may ask you for sexy pictures, sexual pictures or just pictures of yourself and you have to be careful because those are things that sometimes these predators may use against you um you know and so it is important to to pay attention and to see what it is uh predators may drop victims by sharing private information again um they'll be like oh i went through this i went through that like you know, right now we're talking, we're talking about sexual abuse. They may use that as a way to get you in. Like, mm, I went through abuse now, 15. 
I went through these and I was pain. And then you're like, wow, they shared that with me. They must really like me or respect me or trust me. Be careful because they may be a predator. Okay. Uh, predators practice divide and conquer techniques in order to manipulate others. Okay. Um, so they might be divisive, try to divide the family, try to create chaos. Uh, that's a way to um, to groom. And so just be careful, okay? Um, selecting the victim. You know, sometimes, you know, they'll find, again, someone who's young, Someone who's vulnerable, um, and so somebody who may have mental illness, sometimes they're attracted to that. They may be attracted to someone who has mental illness uh, or someone who lacks parental supervision. And sometimes um, one of the things that they do is, you know, they may gain access to someone who's dealing with isolation, so they might like you because you're dealing with because you're isolated. You're away from people. Like uh, that person, she's isolated. He's isolated. They're away from people. That's dangerous. They might find that to be a good thing when you're like trying to connect with your family. Okay, or um. They might try to develop trust with you because they'll use those things about you that they know about you to create that trust, um, to create that, um, make you feel loved, or they may um, create um, bribes or exploit you. And these are things that we need to talk to our, our kids about because this is for real. This is stuff. They may use drugs. They may use alcohol. They may use older children to try to gain access to you. And in this new generation, we need to talk about this stuff because they'll be like, oh, guess what? None of that stuff is real. But guess what? They'll exploit you because Devils for your your uh, vulnerability and try to engage in child oriented activities to make you feel like you're a safe person. So if you have a relationship with your parents, your step parents, your godparents, your adoptive parents, the person that got put in front of you as a person, as a safe person. This is something that... So I'm going to go over uh, a couple of things real quick because I don't want to take over, but, you know, uh, desensitizing child to sexual content. Sometimes they'll share sexual content. They'll share lube with you. Yeah, lube. They might share toys, products, videos to try to make you feel like... It's okay. They're trying to educate you. And the dope and I educate you on that, baby. 
That is not healthy. That is not safe. That is part of grooming, okay? And so, you know, it's important to talk about that because you need to understand that that is part of grooming. They might try to isolate you, okay? Again, sexualizing a relationship, taking pictures, um, creating situations, you might be modeling or swimming or, you know, put you in a compromising position for you to, you know, uh, for some of the compromising attires and actions to occur. That's important. They might try to use some controlling ways, okay, using control to keep you silent. Those are some of the ways. Um, I wanna. I'm gonna stop right now because I can keep on going when it comes to this topic. But I want to make sure that if anyone has personally experienced grooming, or if anyone has any comments on the topic of grooming, please let's come together because we need to educate our community. Open mic. Hi, Dr. Nancy. It's Annie. Yes, Miss Annie. Okay. Are you there? Go ahead. Yes. Okay. Go ahead, Miss. Mm-hmm. I I wanted to say that I I didn't know about grooming. <clears throat> I didn't, you know, I didn't know anything about it. And I wrote a book about my experience mm. with incest and. Mm. Then somebody said, it's about grooming. And I didn't even know what wow. it was. But now wow. I know. And it is about grooming because it, it follows step by step what the predator did to, you know, accomplish his goals. And um, hmm. as you've been talking, I've been thinking about my dad and what, you know, what hmm. how he matches these um, descriptions you've given, like he he selected me for a victim because I I was the quiet one. I mm. was the one who wouldn't wouldn't talk back. I was very timid, and um, he gave me alcohol, and mm. he told me not to tell. I remember that, and wow. um, he would take me. There were six children, but he would take me all by myself on little, you know, field trips, going places, to the little festival. We'd go fishing, you know, we'd we'd just go somewhere, and he would just forget about those other kids and just hang out with me. Um, Let's see what else I wrote down. Sexualizing, yeah, yeah. He never quit sexualizing me. He lived to be 86 years old, and he's been dead about 15 years now. And my entire life, he spoke in a sexual manner to me. And even on his deathbed, he did. And and that's one reason why I say I've never forgiven him, because he never, you know, he never stopped. How do you forgive somebody who never stopped? But listening to what Joe had to say about forgiveness made made me think, you know, maybe I have. Even without a conscious choice to forgive, I don't feel the anger anymore. 
the terrible, terrible anger that I've lived with all my life. It seems like that's, I mean, maybe it's there a little bit, but it seems like it's mostly gone. And I think that is what forgiveness means, to me anyway. That's yeah. That was good. That was good. And a lot of people struggle with the area of forgiveness. And so, you know, it's really, really important to talk about what has helped us. Some of the things that have helped us is they're not textbook stuff. Some of the things that have helped us through our healing journey, they might be very like, well, really, that worked for you? Really, that worked for you? Okay, I'm going to open up the mic. Anyone else wants to share anything that's helped them or if they've experienced grooming? Again, I shared, um, actually, I was 13. I was with my my boyfriend. He was 23. I was 13. Uh, Right now, Kasi from, um, what is it, Puff Daddy, P. Diddy. He's all over the Internet. And he's under severe attack. Um, right now he's completely being under severe attack and completely being exposed. Because back in the day, it was cool to be with the young girls. And so today we have to explain this to our new generation, to our young um, children, young adults, like, these things matter. They will come back to haunt you. Um, this is not appropriate behavior. Uh, a lot of times back in the days, the parents and the grandparents and the great-grandparents, they didn't really speak to the kids about this because, you know, a lot of times we didn't think that we needed to talk about this until we needed to talk about this. Um, but we do need to talk about this. It's important to talk about this. It's important to learn about this and talk about the importance of not giving underage people alcohol or drugs, um, spending more, you know, or less time online, um, having the older boyfriends, those things are dangerous, being secretive, um, spending, you know, time with those older people, uh, withdrawing um, distress, sexual behavior, language, or understanding uh, of sex that's not appropriate in their age group. And like I said, personally, me, I'll take accountability. I went through some of that, and some of that did have some repercussions. So just want to open up the mic for anyone who may uh, have some conversations on that grooming, even though I do want to make sure that we do go over where some of this grooming takes place. Open mic. Okay. The mic's open. Um, and if you want to say something, you could just share. Uh, again, you know, there's there's some people who are mentors. You know, they may have, or some people may have a romantic relationship. They start with a romantic relationship. Whether you're younger or older, they make you feel safe. Okay. Uh, the person may be an authoritative. Figure, 
Okay, someone who you respect. Um, okay, I'm coming back to you. <laughs> you. <laughs> um, you know, they may have a dominant, persistent figure and very aggressive. Oh, God. Those people are very, very annoying because they really do put a lot of pressure on you. All right, so I want to open up the mic right now, and I'm going to stop speaking. Eugenius, did you want to share something? Okay, there you go. I was muted. <laughs> yeah. um, you can you hear me okay? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I just wanted to share, um, you know, the irony of this conversation. Um, as I, I just finished writing my book and telling my story uh, again, but one of the wow. moments of of the context or the content of what you're talking about is my first sexual experience as a child. Um, I didn't realize then um, with the language that that was grooming too because sometimes we have a perspective of what grooming is, and at the core, it's really manipulation of all types, right? Um, and a person will will get you to do whatever they want you to do by gaining a certain level and a certain sense of uh, loyalty uh, towards them. So um, the person that I was uh, sexually assaulted by or, or, you know, molested by was a family member, and the way it happened was pretty much um, being my protector and making sure nobody bothered me, um, making sure that um, that even when people came around that it was just about he and I and allowing me or making me isolated and not realizing that that's what he was doing. I felt like, oh, I'm his favorite cousin, so he only wants me around, not knowing that he just wanted me to himself. Um, and so – you know, those behaviors actually became something that became a normalcy because we would play house and I was always his wife. You know, certain things that kids do that you don't even realize is happening until it happens. And then you think, oh, wow, did that just happen? And, wow, is it wrong? Because we've been playing this way all this time. Um, and so now that I got a level of clarity about it, I understand my grooming happens in so many layers in so many ways, it's not just sexual, right? Um, there's grooming for the streets. I mean, as you mentioned, there's grooming um, even with the whole Diddy, uh, P. Diddy, Sean Combs situation and, you know, the R. Kelly situation, of course. But it, it seems so innocent at first because it makes you feel like the person cares about you. Like the, um, the lady before me said, you know, the things that her father would do uh, to take her out and it would be just her and then to make you feel like you're important or you, you're of value, but the whole time they're plotting and scheming to take advantage of you in a way that should never happen. And because you're so um, naive to, to any kind of sexual encounter at all, you fall for the trap not realizing that that's what's happening. And so when the moment happens, you start to blame yourself. Uh, I know I did because – you know, what did I do to make that person, you know, look at me that way? Or what did I do to now that I'm in this situation, why don't you like me anymore? 
Um, and I see that that happens a lot in some of the movies that we see when the young ladies are taken or captured and then the person wants to get a, do away with them, they start to feel like, well, why don't you want me anymore? And that's like that, that reverse psychology that played on you because now you feel like you're not desired because you've been stuck in this situation for so long. And so I, I really think that grooming is, is so many in so many ways and so many different places um, that you really don't even – have a handle on it or have a, a, a sense of understanding of it because it happens more than we realize because the first the first seed is planted in our minds that this person really cares about me or this person really loves me, that's why they want me around until they hurt you and you don't know what to do with this confused feeling because after they hurt you, they try to love you again and you forgive them over and over again and the pattern doesn't stop. And some people become the very thing that they begin to hate because that's the pattern uh, that they've learned that looks like affection or looks something like, oh, if I like you, this is what I do to gain your attention, to gain your, your, your you know, you being connected to me or attached to me or wanting me to. And, and that's the struggle, too, that I don't think we talk about enough is that what does that do to trigger our behaviors because we were subjected to that? How do we not become groomers? because we were subjected to that behavior. How do we keep ourselves from using those same tactics and being mindful, oh, I can't do that. That's a familiar pattern that's trying to come up in my life, and I have to subdue it or I have to counteract it with doing something completely opposite. So, yeah, that, that was really – this is a really powerful and really – uh, eye-opening conversation because you don't really know what to label it while it's happening. Wow. Thank you for sharing that, Eugenius. Um, that was powerful. I'm glad that you shared that and that you um, were able to kind of recognize and see some of the patterns, right? Many of us can definitely relate. Um, it's been pretty interesting because, again, some of the side effects from grooming our anxiety and depression. And you you made a really strong point. You said some people repeat the pattern, which we know that it's true. Many people who've been through sexual abuse become sexual abusers. I'm not saying that all of us will. Uh, some of us have been through such severe pain that our focus has been recovery and we're not thinking to her, other people, because we're like, how could somebody do that, right? But there's some people that see it as normal when they're young. If that's something that you're exposed to as a child, you might really think that that's normal behavior. Um, I know for a fact my abuser was abused by his father. You learn more about abusers and some of the patterns. You're like, wow, wow. But that's just what it is. That's the reality. And that's why it's so important for us to continue to learn and to speak and to share so that we uh, can understand that we're not alone. Um, If you're not on the mic, please mute yourself. The backgrounds are a little bit loud. Um, Again, so um, some of the side effects here from some of this abuse are, you know, can be people who may deal with anxiety uh, and depression. Some people may deal with some eating disorders, right? Uh, people may deal with post-traumatic stress. 
And then people may have difficulty coping with stress, okay? And some people go into self-harm. You may know people who cut themselves or stab themselves or um, hurt themselves. It's just, you know, self, they go into self-harm. Some people go heavy into tattooing because the pain, they enjoy the pain. Um, those um, sometimes can be patterns of people who've been abused. Um, you may not think about it until you think about it. Um, suicidal thoughts, again, you know, I'm a survivor of suicide. Unfortunately, I lost my sister's suicide three days after Thanksgiving in um, 2020. And guess what? People get tired. People people get tired of feeling pain emotionally. A lot of times people don't want to die. They don't want to die. They don't want to leave their kids behind. You know, she left her son behind at that time. He was 11 at that time. And it's not that you want to leave your family behind. You just want the pain to stop, unfortunately. So if anybody's feeling this or experiencing this type of pain, it will pass. Please, just just take some time, surround yourself with other survivors, reach out for help. Because this is just temporary. It's just the pain is so heavy. I understand the pain. I understand the pain. I understand the pain. You just want it to stop, like, immediately. It's like having, like, a severe headache uh, or a severe, a severe heartache, severe stomachache, cramps, where you're like, you know, I just want this uh, severe toothache. Uh, I know I've been to the emergency room and I've heard people crying about their toothache where they're like, just take it out. Guess what? That feeling you wanted to stop immediately. Don't judge people. Sometimes you just want that pain to stop on the dot. And if you haven't been through that severe level of pain, don't really judge. All right, so again, we talked about self-harm, suicidal thoughts, sexual transmitted disease. Yeah. Some people give you HIV, they give you chlamydia, they give you gonorrhea, they give you herpes. That's a form of grooming. I know it sounds crazy, but pregnancy. Um, And then some people use, you know, shame and guilt. They want you to feel shame and guilt. That's a form of grooming. Um, Again, drugs and alcohol. uh, Keeping you stuck with the problem of drugs and alcohol. That's a form of grooming. Um, and so I know when Cassie shared uh, in her testimony that, or in her report, whatever um, her way was of sharing her story, she shared that she was drugged, she was groomed, uh, and a lot of these things that we don't normally typically agree with, they were acceptable. Uh, relationship problems with family, friends, and partners. Um, sometimes people want you to have drama with your family, drama with your friends, drama with your children, you know, drama with your family, partners, everybody. That's a form of grooming. They want to isolate you. Pay attention. You're thinking, oh, he loves me. He wants me out to himself. No, it's part of the grooming and it's part of the isolation. So I want to make sure that I stop talking 
Uh, but I opened up the mic in case someone has something else to say in the area of grooming. Hello, y'all. All right, so let's see. We have someone with the number 9371. Not sure who that is. I don't see a name on there. The last four numbers are 9371. Would you like to make a comment? Nope. Okay. All right. So, look, I'm not trying to pick on you. I always say that. Um, have you, you know, do you have any comments or any thoughts of your experience grooming uh, or just from being, I know you attend these shows, so you're an expert because when you start educating yourself, year one, year two, year three, you're already a doctor, Dr. Phillips. Okay, so I want you to tell me what's about this. Yeah, for real. Dad, you educate yourself. Well, my form of abuse is mostly physical and emotional neglect and, like, physical assault. It wasn't anything sexual, although my dad did, like, wrote me when we were playing wrestling a couple times. So, like, I don't think I was really ever groomed. Okay, but when you got like beat, do you do you think were you taught not to tell? Were you taught to stay in your place? Like anything like that or no? Were you free to tell when you're getting beat? Were you um kind of coached not to tell? <clears throat> anything like that? No. Okay, well, hell. I guess you didn't get groomed, but from hearing other people get groomed, do you have any words of encouragement for them or um, anything? What's your thought about it, about the topic? Well, I do have some words of encouragement. As someone who's gone a long time without getting any help until lately, just keep Mm -hmm. pushing and keep your head up and keep grinding and and one day you'll get help if you're listening and you don't have help or anything like that. The help's on the way. You just have to keep pushing yourself, and you'll find help. That was good. When you keep pushing yourself and you keep seeking the help, then you will get help. Um, Annie, do you have any comments or anything in regards to that topic of grooming? I know uh, that's always a topic because grooming does happen to children at a very young age. It can happen to adults at a very older age. And it could happen to uh, you as a family member. And so I know that this is not the easiest topic, but I know that you are also an expert in this area. So I just want to make sure to bring you back in, if that's okay. Sure. Um I was thinking, however, not of my family, but of a boyfriend. And Mm. his behavior was grooming, too. Um, Mm. I I didn't know it, but it was, and it resulted in a pregnancy. And kind of destroyed my life, you know? (laughs) Right. Not really. But, but, um, you know, it was was not 
something I wanted, um, but it and and it but it wasn't it wasn't like he didn't take advantage of me right away, you know. It was a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit like getting me used to the idea, and then mm-hmm. when I hit eighteen, that's when he uh, took advantage of me. I don't like to say rape because it makes me feel so. I don't know, just like such a victim that take advantage, he took advantage of me. It seems less horrible. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the the little bit at a time, and treating me special, and saying he loved me, and all of those things, too. It, uh, yeah, he was pretty classic groomer. Wow. Pretty classic groomer. And, you know, a lot of times we try, sometimes we may try our best not to categorize those people as groomers because we love them or we love Mm -hmm. them at some point. So it's a weird type of comparison. But as we get older um, and we get educated, we're like, wow, that's grooming. Uh, Maybe they didn't know that it was called grooming. They were not educated that it was called grooming, and so they did it. So we feel bad for them because we know that maybe we know their heart probably wasn't like, I'm going to groom her. I'm going to groom him. But guess what? Um, That behavior was grooming. Um, Not only that, who did they learn that from? Who, who, Who did they learn that from? Again, my abuser was sexually abused by his father, uh, and so the abuse continued in the chain. Why? Okay. Mm, Wow. You know, you start to figure it out and you start to learn. Um, That's not what you're trying to bring into your world or into your community, community or your family. But guess what? That's what uh, grooming is. And so we're almost done tonight, y'all. Uh, we're getting closer to the end of tonight. But again, um, you know, again, there may be uh, self-harm patterns. There may be post-traumatic stress disorder, eating disorders, anxiety and depression, suicidal thoughts, early pregnancy, early pregnancy, that's a big uh, red highlight. Um, again, feelings of shame and um, and guilt, and there may be some drugs and alcohol problems. Okay. Um, I have a question, Doctor Nancy. Yes, ma'am. I'm I'm wondering as you're talking and as I'm listening to so, to so many of us, why is it? Is there a reason why? Um, some, or I won't say a lot because I don't know the statistics, but why does it seem like there's more men that repeat the pattern of grooming than women who have been sexually abused? So both men and women have both been sexually abused as children, but men, uh, when they grow up, they repeat the cycle, but not too many women, to my knowledge, uh, do the same, or is it because it's not accounted for when women do it? I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that's a good question, <clears throat> to be honest with you. I don't 100% know the answer, but what I would assume from my personal experience from speaking to men and women, you know, when I'm raising my son, um, a lot of times, uh, like my husband, for example, he's not involved in my son's life. I cannot call the call him for support. Um it's a big, big, big mess. Um, and so what happens with some of these boys, they may not have proper support systems where with women many times we're, it's easier for us to get support, whether we go get support or support comes to us or support, you know, we, we communicate in a different way. Whereas men, they may not communicate. They don't know how to communicate. They're like little boys, and they're little boys until they grow up. And they grow up, and they're still little boys if they don't have the right support. Whereas for us women, a lot of times we're more mature. Um, we're more mature. We may have more responsibility quicker. And so if um, I know Phillip's on here. Um, I know Joe, um, he signed off. I don't know if, if there's any other men who would like to speak on the topic, but I think it's hard on men. I think it's very, very hard on men, um, if, especially if they don't have the support, proper training. It's easier for us to be like, I need a coach, I need a counselor, I need a trainer. For us women, we're more um, quick to get the support that's needed. Whereas men, they have a harder wall up, and sometimes it's just harder for them to communicate their need in, in the spiritual realm, in the emotional realm, uh, in the physical realm. It's just a lot harder to communicate concerns, issues. But, again, everybody's different. Um, I don't know if I answered that correctly, but that's yeah, no, absolutely. I just I just thought it was just very interesting and, and then we see like some women are being exposed uh later on in life and it wasn't something that was common for a man to say, you know, a woman you know, molested me so thereby I I mistreat women because I was mistreated as a young man. You know what I mean? And that can be a form of grooming but a lot of men don't associate I guess that way. Um when it comes to that, or and some women don't, um, I guess, like you said, when you gave the analogy or the example, they don't pick up the patterns because they've had someone to talk to to help them through and navigate their emotions. Men probably don't talk about it, so they don't have anyone to help them navigate their emotions, and they become what they suppress. So I, I presume that that's what you're saying is valid. Just that's a very interesting, you know, dynamic. Yeah, and you're right. They become what they suppress, right there. That's uh, I think the definitely quote of the year, <clears throat> of the month, of the week, of the day. You know what you suppress, you do become. Um, again, like I said, for a fact, I know my abuser, my father, was abused by his father. Okay, and so a lot of times. Um, you know, it's, it's a cycle that continues, and when you kind of dig into it, you're like, whoa, well, that's weird. Oh, well, that's uh, that's strange. But then you're like, oh, okay, that's a pattern. Um, and so, like you said, you know, you suppress, you become what you suppress. 
Um, and so he suppressed those emotions. He suppressed those feelings. It was not addressed with him. And so he became that monster who he hated himself. Uh, but then his story went through it. And at the end, she's the one that told. And so uh, my grandfather had to go to jail for it. Um, but, you know, my father never did. And so it's just, you're like, hmm, interesting. You know, when, where do people draw lines? Where do people um set boundaries and when people say this is enough and we're not going to allow this to continue and some people can't handle it unfortunately this is a hard pill to swallow uh i was affected my sister was affected and i had the i I dealt i fought with the spirit of suicide i overcame it but unfortunately my sister was not able to and so you know, it's very tragic and it's very traumatic. And so it's really important for people to get uh, the right support and, um, you know, and try to make sure to, um, again, get the right support for those things, for those emotions. You know, when we talk about, and I know we're almost done, y'all, we are like 16 minutes, but when we talk about, um abuse and grooming and all of that, you know, we go into that narcissistic grooming because, yeah, that's that's severe. That's a higher level of grooming. Um, so I just wanted to kind of um, highlight a couple of the narcissistic grooming signs, some of the signs so that if you notice that you can say, oh, okay, wait, that's a highlight. Let me pay attention. So some of the... Um, signs of narcissistic grooming uh, may include, you know, the person may have a swift and intense um, relationship, really cool for falling in love. Like, I love you. I love you, girl. I love you, boy. I love you, girl. Just very quick. Pay attention to that. Um, you know, a lot of compliments and flattering back to back. I know sometimes you haven't been complimented, so you may not notice it. You might be like, oh, I needed that. You beautiful girl, you beautiful girl. <laughs> but guess what? Pay attention to that. Um, again, so that was the frequent compliments and the flattery, okay? Emotional manipulation. Um, pay attention to that. Isolation from friends and family. The person doesn't want you hanging out with any of your friends, any of your family. Just weird stuff right away. Um, gaslighting or making you doubt your perception. Like, I didn't say that. Boy, I've got the recording. Cut it out. Some people will stay there and tell you, I didn't say that you're buggy, you tripping, girl, you crazy. And they have access. Well, me. I got my little video camera in my house. So I'd be like, really? Let me go to section 228. <laughs> but anyways, you know, whatever it is, some people use some gaslighting. Um, and some of the ways that they make room you, maybe, you know, they may make you feel special. Um, they'll start to manipulate you over time. They may make you dependent on them. You know, they may make you you may feel like you need approval and validation. Um, so, you know, they may criticize you or exploit you. They may exploit you, make you feel 
stupid. Um, and so those are things you need to look out for. Um, I don't want to take over the whole show, but I don't know if anybody has had experiences with narcissistic abuse um, and some of the ways that the person may make you feel. And if you would like to share, that would be good. Some of the grooming. I have experience with that, Dr. Nancy. This is Annie. Um, my mother my mother was a narcissist. She was extremely verbally abusive. Um and, and she you know, she was a little bit violent, but not that much. It was mostly screaming, 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 put down, put down, put down. Um just uh and all, all that mattered was herself. That's the only thing that mattered was whether and and she really didn't mother at all. She really pretty much neglected us. Um, and and my sister, my big sister, became the mother mm. because nobody was doing it, you know. And I became the cook because she wasn't doing it. It was like she didn't do anything anymore. She just screamed at people. And I'm sure, you know, it was a mental illness thing going on. It must have been because it just wasn't normal. Um, but yeah, that's that's my experience with a narcissist. And then I ended up marrying one because, of course, that meant love, right? She loved me. That's why she treated me that way. <laughs> so when I saw it in a man, I thought it was love. Right. Wow, that was good because, you know, you're right. You know, it could come even from our parents. It could come from the people that we love. Um, And that's very difficult, I think, for me personally. Um, Sometimes I'm used to just abuse from random, random, right? <clears throat> but to have that abuse from people that you love, <clears throat> people that you really care about, you know, how do you process that? Um, to be abused by your family, to be abused by your loved ones, to be abused by the people that you poured into. Me personally, uh, it's hard. I'm, I still struggle with it. I'm not going to lie. Like, wow, like, I would have gave my left lung for you. You know, um, I think as parents, even raising children, you know, we pour into them, we give into them, and then, like, really? You you don't see or you don't appreciate what I've done? It's very hurtful. Um, right now, that's what I'm noticing a lot in the community. The hurt and the recovery that people are pushing through to say, wow, I'm the aunt, I'm the uncle, I'm the cousin, and I want to help, but I need to be respectful. I need to want to change. And it's just difficult. Do you have any um, comments? Has anybody experienced some of the 
narcissistic abuse or some of the patterns of hurting at the end of everything when you're trying to push forward. Okay. Well, I would say this. Um, I will start with the fact that we're on scan number 3323. If anybody would like to call in, I know I should have said this earlier. (laughs) Uh, The number is 646-595-2118. Again, the number is 646-595-2118. You know, again, we're talking about narcissistic abuse and um, recovery from abuse and um, some of the techniques that we can use in our recovery process um, that really do help, that really do matter. I think that the more we talk about some of the concerns and the more we talk about some of the tools, the stronger we become, the stronger we get. And so, you know, you have um, people that are talking about, we're actually, we're talking about tumor, um, and how some people really utilize you because you're, you're weasel, you may not know the effects of grooming. You may not even know that it's called grooming. You, you may be like, grooming, what's that? Like cleaning up my room and grooming? No. Um, but the fact that we're able to get to a place where we're able to support each other and we're able to um, come together and educate ourselves on what grooming is and what uh, grooming techniques, you know, how <clears throat> how they're used. Uh, that's really important. So I just want to make sure that, again, if anybody has any comments, any pointers uh, in regards to the topic of grooming, that would be great because we do have, what is it? We have six minutes left, y'all. Six minutes left. Any comments? I'm still here, but I don't really have another comment about grooming. (laughs) We don't. I know. I know. Grooming, you know, we could talk about something else. We don't have to stick to the topic of grooming. Uh, I just really wanted people to understand that, hey, you can be young. You can be older. And you can be groomed. You know. People have a very manipulative way of behaving, and some people don't even realize that they're manipulative because they are wrapped up to the tree. Like, you know, they're like, nope, I'm stuck here. I'm not grooming. I'm not changing. I'm stuck in my ways. But guess what? That's not healthy. That's toxic. And that's not helping the world go around. 
you know. So we have to just kind of have a little bit of um, less shame. Okay. Uh, so, again, uh, I, I'm going to call a, a couple of people, y'all, because we have five, five minutes. So, uh, Miss Amy, you just spoke. Mr. Phillips. Hello, hello. Yeah. So as we're talking about that topic, and we don't have to stick stuck to that topic, okay? We can talk about some of the effects of people that have been through depression. We can talk about some of the effects of people that have been disciplined, like abused. Um, So... I want to make sure that I open up the mic so that you can have a minute to express anything that your heart desires. Well, well, I have depression. I have a diagnosis of major depressive disorder, and they gave me an injection as well mm-hmm. as a pill medication. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does it help you? Yes. Mm, that's good. That's a good. That's a good news. And that's been keeping you under control with like stress and stuff. Um, not a hundred percent. How much percent? Fifty percent. So it's been helping 50%? Yes. How long have you been taking it? Two years. Okay, but it's been keeping you 50%? Yes, 50%. Yeah. Helps me 50%. That's amazing. So before that, how long did it keep you straight? What, what, what was your question again? Before that, how much percentage would you say that I kept you? Well, I didn't take it but two years ago, so it didn't keep me at all. Okay. So, wow. So you could see a 50% difference. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, You know, Philip, I really appreciate you being transparent and honest. Uh, When it comes to this show here at NASCA, it's really important for us to share. It's important for us to be transparent in order to recover and in order to heal. And the only way that we can do that is by being real. A lot of times uh, when it comes to telling our truth, telling our story, we may feel judged. We may feel that um, people will not listen to us, that people will not respect us. But, again, I just want to say thank you to everyone who showed up tonight and thank you to everyone who shared their story. Um, There is power in sharing our stories, and there is definitely power in the the, uh, focus and strength of walking in our recovery. So this is the end of the show, you all. We have one minute. And, again, we just want to say thank you for joining us on NASCA. You can find the show on NASCA.org. And, uh, we're again, we're on scan number 3323. And thank you all for joining us.
Um, if anybody would just like to say good night, blessings, feel free to do that. Sharing the mic is open. Good night. Good night. Good night, Philip. Good night, Dr. Nancy. Good night, audience. <laughs> good night. And let's keep being a voice for the voiceless. And let's keep sharing our story. And let's keep continuing to rise up and being a voice again for the voices, for the voiceless, for the community, and doing what's right. Um, we're not perfect, and we do not claim to be perfect, but we do claim to want to do what is right. And it's all going to be one step at a time. So, again, thank you, everyone, for listening to us. Thank you for joining us. To all, happy holidays and a good night. Good night. Thank you.